Well, welcome. Welcome to our last of our three Easter services. It's great to have you this weekend. And I've been praying for you and for about a month now have been thinking about this service and what God wants to say to us and what he's dropped upon my heart. Um, you know, sometimes Easter can be really challenging, right? Um, as a pastor, I mean, this is, as a Christ follower, one of the most important days, right, that we remember and we celebrate, right, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what today is all about. 2.3 billion people all across the world right now as we speak, and last night, right, and all throughout this day, today, 2.3 billion people will be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Easter's not a holiday. Easter's a day that we remember and we celebrate and we reflect upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because of that, because Jesus rose from the dead, what does it mean for our lives? Like, oh, okay, you know, the chances are most of you in here this morning have heard about it. Most of you probably watching online know that Easter's about the resurrection of Jesus. So what difference does that make? What difference does it make the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. What does the Bible tell us and teach us about that? As I've been praying about this morning, um, over the last month, the Lord has dropped upon my heart a couple different you know, ways that the resurrection makes a difference in our life. And the passage that I chose to speak on from this morning is not your normal Easter passage. Typically, a pastor will speak on the gospel, something from Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you know, and, and tells the story of the resurrection of Jesus. But I I have a feeling that most of you probably know the story about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I want to go from a different perspective. Uh, the, a book called 1 Corinthians, a guy named the Apostle Paul, uh, wrote this letter to a group of people, to a church much like ours. And he had been there, and he had started the church, and, and he was their first pastor, and he was teaching them, and then he goes off and he plants other churches, and, and he gets a report about the church there in this city called Corinth. And the Apostle Paul has to write a letter to this church addressing some things that are going on. And one of the things that he has to address is the resurrection of Jesus. And not just of Jesus, but whether or not people receive a resurrection. And I think that the people, Paul says, like, he's going to, we'll read about it. Paul's like, hey, I told you guys this stuff before, not only about Jesus being risen from the dead, but about one day you will rise from the dead too, a bodily resurrection. Paul's like, I told you guys about this before. But they began to doubt and wonder and be concerned about some of these claims of Christianity. And some of you are here this morning, and for various reasons, you might be doubting, some of you listening online, you might be doubting some of the claims of Christianity. You might be struggling with some elements of Christianity. I think the Apostle Paul had to address the problems there in this church for about four reasons in particular that I was thinking about this past week. Number one, and these are not on your notes, these are just things to think about. I think Paul had, this is the longest part in all the New Testament. Did you know there are over a hundred places in the Bible, in the New Testament, that talk about the resurrection of Jesus? About a hundred different places talk about that. But this is the longest part in all the Bible, in the New Testament, where we talk about and we read about the resurrection of Jesus. And I think they were struggling and some of you here this morning are struggling in your Christianity. And I think there was four reasons in particular they were probably potentially struggling. One is, uh, we're told that there were false teachers. There were 
people that would come in that were maybe a part of a congregation, and they would teach people something, and what they would teach them would be opposed to or different than what Scripture tells us. They were different than what the Apostle Paul was teaching them and telling them. There were these false teachers that were in and a part of the church. And some of you over the last couple of years, you've listened to people online or on the radio or you've read some things that are different than the historical truths about Christianity that you've been taught. And it's led you to begin to wonder, is this really true? Your ears have been attuned to some false teachers. And you've begun to listen to and believe things that are not historical truths about Christianity. I think a second reason why they began to doubt and question and wonder is because culture told them something different than what the Apostle Paul and what Scripture teaches. See, Scripture teaches that you will have, not only did Jesus rise from the dead, but you also will rise from the dead. But people during this time, as the Bible was written, Greek culture, Roman culture, they didn't believe in a bodily resurrection. Their culture taught something different, and that was opposed to what they were being taught through Scripture, through the apostles and the disciples, the the first followers of Jesus Christ. And some of you here today are listening online, you've been wondering about Christianity You've been wondering about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You've begun to have doubts that have crept into your mind because our culture tells you and teaches you something very, very different than what Scripture teaches us. So you've doubted. Well, I don't know. Maybe this is not really so true anymore because culture says something very different about being religious, about being good, about heaven, about hell, whether there even is a heaven and a hell. I think a third reason, I think that was an amen, by the way. (laughs) I think a third reason why people in the Bible were struggling is because they saw hypocrisy in the church. They looked around and they saw their nice little church and they saw people who called themselves Christians. You know those people, right? And they went to church and they showed up, you know, and they wore their little cross necklace and things like that. I don't know if they had them back then. They probably didn't have cross necklaces back then. But you get, you know, they had the the t-shirt that has the fish on it and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they saw them on Sunday, but then all throughout the week they lived like hell. And you're like, oh man, talk about a hypocrite. And some of you are like that. You're like, oh, I'm not even sure if I really believe in this Jesus stuff any longer, this Christianity. Because I see all the hypocrisy. Did you know that in this church that Paul was writing to, there was a dude who was sleeping with his mother-in-law, and the people in their church were like, they were okay with it. Yeah, that's right. That would make me wonder about the whole thing, too. Wouldn't that make you wonder? Like, is this really even true? Bunch of hypocrites. The guy's sleeping with his mother-in-law, and you guys are okay with this? Talk about hypocrisy. Some of you are like that. You're like, oh, I'm a bunch of hypocrites. I don't believe in this Jesus stuff. I think the fourth reason why people struggled and they began to question and doubt is they had an expectation that Jesus would do something in their lives that he did not do in the time that they wanted him to do it. Like, they thought, you know, this had been about 50 years or so since Jesus had died and was buried and rose again. It had been about 50 years. And they thought, surely Jesus is going to return and, 
you know, he's got to change everything. It's new heaven and new earth, you know, all this kind of glorious stuff. And they thought Jesus was going to do something. It had been 50 years, and Jesus hadn't done that yet. And so they were bummed. Like, Jesus, you disappointed me. God, you didn't do what I thought you were going to do when I thought you were going to do it. And some of you are like that. You're like, oh, yeah, I've prayed. And I asked God to do stuff in my life. I asked God to resurrect my marriage. Fail. I asked God to resurrect my business. Fail. I asked God to save me out of addiction. Fail. I asked God to heal me. Fail. Wow, this Christian stuff? God, you're not, you're not doing what I want when I want, how I thought you should do it. And that's how they were. They were beginning to wonder. I don't know. Is this really even real? Is it real? So for all these reasons, people were doubting because of hypocrisy, because Jesus disappointed them, because culture said something different, because there was false teachers speaking into their ears and they were believing these lies. Paul's like, oh yeah, i got to readdress some basic stuff that you guys need to know and remember. He's like, you guys, I already told you this the first time I was there, and you believed me the first time, but stuff has happened, and now you're beginning to doubt and wonder and question, not just about, maybe not even about Jesus' resurrection, but even about your own, whether or not you really are going to rise from the dead. Maybe you're just going to go on the ground and die in nihilism, and that's it. He's like, I have to address this stuff again, because some of you are like that. You're on shaky ground today. You're on shaky ground. What difference does the resurrection make? And there's six things I want you to walk away. And my expectation is that you're not going to walk away. Not all six of these are going to matter to you. You're going to check out. Probably my, 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 my prayer is, is that there will be at least one thing out of the six that you walk away and you grab a hold and becomes an anchor for your soul. Out of the six, there's just one of them that's like, oh yeah, I, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Now I want to talk about six ways the resurrection makes a difference in my life. Six ways the resurrection makes a difference in our lives. So, but I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 because again, this, Paul's addressing this and we want to read scripture first. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul's writing, and he says this, right? He's writing a letter. He'd been there. He was their pastor. He's addressing problems. He says, guys, girls, I want to remind you, like, you know, because there's confusion, there's doubt. There's false teachers, cultures, crazy. I want to remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news. Now, I put in paraphrase there quotes or brackets there. Because often I hear that word good news. And I'm always like, oh, you know, what's the good news? Paul's like, I want to remind you of the good news. And what is the good news? That God has made a way for you and I to have a relationship with him through Jesus. So whenever you hear someone say the good news, what is the good news? Is the good news that you're going to get everything you want? No, not necessarily. Is the good news that you're going to get healed? Not necessarily. The good news, and the bottom line is when the Bible talks about good news, it's all about God has made a way for you and I to have a relationship with him through Jesus. God's like, oh, I created you, and I created you to have a relationship with me. Guess what? You know, you stink. You can't do it on your own, but I made a way for you to have a relationship with me. Paul's like, hey, I want to remind you about this, okay? 
Paul says, I preached this to you before. I'm repeating this. You welcomed it when I was with you before and still stand firm in it. It is this good news that God has made a way to have a relationship with him through Jesus. It's this good news that saves you, not you being a good guy or good girl, but trusting in Christ. It's this good news that saves you if you continue to believe. That word believe means to hold fast to the message that I told you. Now, again, some of you are not holding fast. Some of you are like on shaky ground because of all those reasons I mentioned. Jesus, you're not doing what I thought. You're not resurrecting my marriage. Jesus, a bunch of hypocrites here. I'm beginning to wonder. People, other Christian people are telling me things that are different. I'm not holding fast. Paul goes on. He says, unless, of course, Talking about the resurrection, you believed something that was never true in the first place. Paul says, now, I passed on to you when I was there before what was most important about having a relationship with God through Jesus. I passed on to you what was most important and what has also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins. That's why Jesus went to the cross. He had to pay the price, the penalty for our sins. He died for our sins just as the scriptures said, like, guys, you know, a spoiler alert, Jesus going to the cross did not surprise God. Like, he knew. It was foretold. It was prophesied. You can read all about it in the Old Testament. There are lots of passages that talk about the fact that the Messiah, that this rescuer, the Savior, would go to the cross, that he would pay a price and suffer for us. That's what Paul's talking about here. He died for our sins, just as the Bible said, he was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. And then Paul goes into a little bit more of the historical facts here. He was seen by Peter, and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. And then he was seen by James, and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, later on, I also saw him. Now, I love this little passage right here because it always reminds me, like, oh, why do I believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Because the Bible said so? Well, that's true. But I think about all the people who saw Jesus. Well, that could be mass hysteria. But then I think about the fact of all these people and how their lives were changed drastically. Like, before Jesus went to the cross, like there were wimps and weaklings and they ran, hid and were hiding and they couldn't take a stand at all. And then all of a sudden, he goes to the cross and rises from the dead and their lives are drastically changed. So much so that they were willing and they did die for him. Matter of fact, Peter, church tradition tells us that Nero crucified Peter on a cross upside down. Who would die for a myth like that? Who would die for something that was made up in their own mind? Their changed lives is like proof to me. It speaks to my heart like, oh, of course this happened. Not just because the Bible says so. Not because all these hundreds of people saw him. It's a historical fact. Tell me this though, Peter says. Since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? They were doubting their own. 
For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. I wonder this morning, why are you doubting? What is it in your life that's causing you to doubt your Christianity? What is it that's causing you to struggle with your Christianity? You believed in the past, but you're at a season and a moment where you're really doubting that. Paul goes on, he says, if Christ has not been raised from death, then we have nothing to preach and you have nothing to believe. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is a delusion and you are still lost in your sins. But the truth is that Christ has been raised from the dead. Christ has been raised from the dead. It's a historical fact. Now I want to give you six things this morning. Six um, ways the resurrection makes a difference in our lives. And again, these are the fill-ins this morning, and maybe most of them won't make, doesn't matter at all to you. But my hope is, my prayer is that at least one of these will speak to your heart. Six ways the resurrection of Jesus makes a difference in my life. Number one, because Jesus is alive, if you have a fill-in there, you can put this on. Because Jesus is alive today, it proves who Jesus is. The resurrection, it proves who Jesus is. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus rising from the dead, it proves that Jesus said that and that it's true. That he is the only way to, the God, to God. It proves it. He rose from the dead. It proves that what he said is true. You know, on, on Thursday nights we have a, a class here we've done lots of times called Alpha. And we often quote this uh, famous uh, theologian, author, writer, his name is C.S. Lewis, and you know, and one of my favorite quotes is C.S. Lewis said this, that Jesus is either a liar or he's a lunatic or he's really the Lord. Which one is he? You choose. Because he can't just be, you know, a good guy, but, you know, you know good liars, you know, either, he, either this is true or it's not true. He either is the Lord, the Son of God, or he's not, and he's not a good guy. You can't just say he's a good teacher, but he's really not the son of God. He's really not the Messiah, the Savior, the Rescuer. What are you going to believe about Jesus? His resurrection proves that what he said, that he is who he said he is. Do you know that all throughout the New Testament, Jesus told people that he was going to die and be buried and rise again? Like it was common knowledge. Like this wasn't a secret. You know, Matthew chapter 27 tells us that after Jesus died on the cross... These religious leaders, they go to the Roman government, the authorities say, hey, the deceiver, this Jesus, the deceiver, he said he was going to rise from the dead, so let's put guards in front of the tomb to make sure. Why do you think that there's guards in front of the tomb? You ever thought about that? Well, there's guards in front of the tomb because he told them that he was going to rise from the dead. Like, he said this is going to happen. People knew it. Matter of fact, one time he says to his disciples, hey, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, and I'm going to suffer, and I'm going to die for you. I will rise again on the third day. And Peter's like, oh, no, no, Jesus, that's not going to happen. And Jesus is like, Peter, get behind me, Satan. What you're saying is not from God. Like, this is common knowledge. And Jesus rising from the dead, it proves it. It proves that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one can come to God except through him. 
Jesus said this in John 10, 36. Why do you call it blasphemy when I say, I am the Son of God? After all, the Father set me apart and sent me into the world. Don't believe me unless I carry out my Father's work. John Romans 1, 14. Paul says this, that Jesus was shown to be the Son of God not by doing miracles. He was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he is the Lord. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. The resurrection of Jesus proves who he is. Secondly, because Jesus is alive, the second way the resurrection makes a difference, because he's alive today, his power is still available. Oh, it doesn't just prove who you are, Jesus, that you're the way, the truth, the only way to God. But it, it, it shows me that your power is still available today. Ephesians 1, 19 and 20 says, How very great is Jesus' power at work in us who believe. This power working in us is the same as the mighty strength which, which he used when, he was ra- when God raised Christ from death. His power is still available to us today. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and self-control. God's power is available for us today. For those who are struggling with addiction, God's power to work in that situation is available. For those who are struggling with life change, God's power is available to work within you. It says that God's power is working in you. God's power is working in me to change me. That I don't have to be a victim any longer. That I can be who God has called me to be. I can do what he's called me to do because his power is available. This past month or a couple months ago, we were studying through the book of Acts. And Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive God's power in your life. Oh, because Jesus rose from the dead, his power is available. I don't have to be a victim again. God's power is available for healing in my life. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Because, number three, because Jesus is alive today, the third way his resurrection makes a difference is now is, does it prove who he, who he is? Now is his power available, but his presence is still with us. Some of us this morning, some of you this morning, some of you listening online are desperately lonely. Like you might be surrounded by people, but you are desperately lonely. People don't even know how much you're struggling with isolation and discouragement and feeling unloved. But because he rose from the dead, his presence is still with us. He wants us to feel his love. Hebrews 13, God says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And a lot of you are doubting that. A lot of you are doubting whether or not God has left you this morning. Matthew 28, Jesus is speaking. He says, you can be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Some of you, you're doubting God's presence. You're doubting the presence of Jesus in your life. Maybe there was a time and a season 
when you had chosen to follow Jesus Christ and you've chosen to walk away, to turn your back on God. The Bible would say that, that you are backslidden. Like you have fallen away. You've chosen to walk away from God. Do you know that the Bible says, Jesus says, his presence is still here and God is pursuing you? Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 says, God says, hey, guess what? I'm standing at the door of your heart right now. I am pursuing you right now. My presence is here right now. And I'm knocking at the door of your heart right now. Because I want to have a relationship with you. That loneliness, that unlovedness that you're feeling, that guilt that seems to be racking your mind. You think you're here by chance or accident. You think you're listening online just randomly. No, God says, I'm pursuing you. My presence is here. The resurrection proves It shows that I still love you. My presence is still here for you today. That Jesus has not given up on you. Will you respond to his presence in your life this morning? The resurrection proves and shows us that his presence is still here. Number four, because Jesus is alive Today, the fourth way his resurrection makes a difference is that his plan for me is unchangeable. Oh, I thought his plan for me was to get married. Oh, I thought his plan was for me to get that job. Oh, I thought his plan was for me to have kids. Oh, I thought his plan for me was a healing in my life right now. The resurrection proves it makes a difference because his plan for me is unchangeable. What is God's plan for you? Here it is. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, God, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering. Why did he go to the cross? Because he was the offering for our sin. Not for his own, but for your sin, for my sin. Why? So that we could be made right with God through Christ. Ah, That's God's unchangeable plan for me? To be made right with God? Yup. Through you being a good person? Nope. It's through Jesus Christ. That's God's unchangeable plan for you. Time after time, the Bible, that's all the Bible talks about. Romans chapter 4, verse 25 says this about Jesus. He was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life. Why? To make us right with God. Like that's his unchangeable plan. To make us right with God. I love John 10, 10. Last part of this, God's plan for us is to make us right with God. And then Jesus said to give us a rich and a satisfying life. Some of you are like, oh, yeah, I don't even believe that. You know, there's all, God's like, well, hey, you choose to live your life your way or you can follow me in the way that I have designed life to be. And when you live your life the way I've designed it to be, sure, you might not get the quick fix, the quick high, the quick feel good. But I'm going to give you a rich and a satisfying life, a life overflowing when you live your life as you follow me. That's God's plan for us. Give us a rich and satisfying life. Again, they were not sure. Like, oh, you know, God, you're not really moving what? God's like, you trust me or not? His plan for me is unchangeable. One last passage, Hebrews 10, 14 says, By one sacrifice, he's forever set free from sin. The people he brings to God. 
says that he sets us free from sin, from the penalty of sin. Now, I sin, I still struggle, I don't know about you, but because I know the presence of sin is all around me, and there are times that I choose to give in to sin, but God sets us free from sin. Well, we don't have to sin. It's a choice that I make, because I live in the presence of sin. And I don't have to live with that guilt and that condemnation that the, the slate has been wiped clean, and God wants me to have a rich and satisfying and fulfilling life. Fifth thing. Because Jesus is alive today, the fifth way the resurrection makes a difference is his protection is real. Right? 2 Thessalonians 3, verse verse 3 says, But the Lord is faithful. He will make you strong and he will guard you from satanic attacks of every kind. Wow! God is going to protect me? Yeah, there's this battle going on over my life, and that the enemy wants to attack me, says that God will protect me and guard me from satanic attacks of every kind. Psalm 91 verse 11 tells us that, that, that God will send his angels to guard and to protect us. Do you know who, do you know who quotes Psalm 91 11 in the New Testament? Who's the only other person in the Bible who says, oh yeah, I know that God will send angels to guard and protect. Do you know who quotes that? Satan does. Who does he quote it to? Jesus. And the temptations. He goes out and says, oh yeah, Jesus, remember, God is going to send his angels to guard and to protect you. Now, in Matthew 18, Jesus does tell us about God sending his guardian angels to guard and to protect children. Because Jesus has risen from the dead, His protection is real. Satan can't snatch your life. Satan can't harm you. John 10 says this, I give them life, eternal life, so that they will never be lost. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father gave them to me, and he is greater than all others. No one can snatch them from his hands. Lastly, because Jesus is alive today, The sixth way the resurrection makes a difference is that his promises are true. Like I don't have to, there there are so many promises in the Bible. And not all of them are specifically for me as as a Christ follower. Some of them are specific to specific people. But God's promises are true and I can trust them. I, can't, I don't have to doubt God's promises. I may not understand them. I may not know when they're going to happen. But I know that his promises are true because of the resurrection. John 17 verse 3 says this. And this is the way to have eternal life. This is a promise. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one that you sent to earth. Again, Jesus in John 11 says this. I am the way, the truth, and life. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Like, that's a promise. Like, I don't have to be concerned. I don't have to fear death because God's word says, Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. What does that mean to live? It means to be in a relationship with our Heavenly Father. We're all going to live eternally someplace. It's just a matter of whether you're going to live in relationship and spiritually alive with God in heaven or the new earth. Or you're going to live eternally in pain and suffering in hell. 
It's just a reality of Scripture. Neither you believe the Bible or you just say, ah, you know, if you chuck that, you might as well just chuck the whole thing go find another religion. Something that will make you just feel good all the time. That's what I would suggest. Either you believe it or you don't. I think the resurrection proves that what Jesus said is true. John 5, Jesus said this, I assure you, anyone who hears what I say and believes in the one who sent me has eternal life. They will not be judged guilty. They have already left death and have entered into life. His promises are true. We are made right with God, Romans says. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 10 says that you will be saved. What has caused you to doubt? What has caused your faith to waver this morning? There are all these things that the resurrection of Jesus Christ proves and shows, whether it's his promises, his plan, whether it's his presence. There's all these things. What is causing you to question your Christianity, your faith in Jesus Christ? Maybe it's your loneliness that you've been so lonely. Maybe it's you've been racked with guilt and it's causing you to question. God's promises are true. And he's here this morning to draw you into relationship with him. He's here this morning to remind you that he wants you to have a rich, overflowing life. I want to take a moment and I want to pray with you this morning. So, for those of you online, those of you listening, if you are here this morning, if you want to bow your heads. And, you know, I would be, I would be um, remiss not to give you an opportunity. Remember I said some of you, some of you are here this morning, you've never, I don't know why, just hasn't been the, you have never responded to the call to come to know Jesus. But this morning you're confronted in your heart. You've heard just a little bit about the historical facts, the changed lives. The truth of Scripture, you're like, you know what? I don't necessarily always understand everything or even like everything or agree with everything, but I want to trust Jesus Christ this morning. I believe the resurrection proves that He's the way, the truth, and life, the only way to God. And so this morning, I want to follow Jesus. And if that's you, I want to invite you to pray along with me in just a moment. You can just pray to yourself. Maybe you're here and you're like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I've, I, you know, I made a choice, a decision to follow Jesus. And that was a long time ago. And I've, I've been backslidden. I'm not following Jesus. I'm not serving Jesus right now. But today, this day, 2021, I want to choose to recommit my heart and my life to Jesus. So would you pray along with me this morning? The third group of people that are in here, that the work, that God's word, one of those those peas would, would speak to your heart and your life this morning. But you pray with me. Just to yourself, you can pray. Dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to earth. I believe Jesus was who he said he was. And he proved it through the resurrection. I want to discover... And I want to begin following your plan and your purpose for my life, Jesus. Jesus, I want to get to know you personally. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me, for paying 
for my sins. I ask you, Jesus, this morning to change me, to forgive me of all my sins, past, present, and future. I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord and my Savior in your free gift of eternal life. I choose this day to follow you, Jesus.